Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, from the aspiring to the veteran, with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Uh, welcome to another episode of This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. Uh, we are doing a episode on the subclasses of Warlock from... Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything and Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Lots of everythings. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, with Xanathar's Bone Daddy. Okay. All right. So if you haven't read Xanathar's Guide, um, for each subclass they have, or actually for each class, they have a little extra uh, goodies uh, like Binding Marks, uh, Special Terms of the Pact, and Patron's Attitude, in this case for Warlocks, um, which essentially is just added roleplay stuff. Um, you can roll a d6, or you could just choose one in each category to kind of uh, further hammer out your relationship with your patron, um, the pact that you made, and obviously the the Binding Mark um, that... Uh, has you has the warlock under the sway of of its patron um and my favorite binding mark just to really quick is uh number six your nose glows in the dark uh ah. yeah <laughs> uh so anyway you can, you can look at those hammer out uh some extra stuff um call me rudolph, call him rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah so there's that uh, so we're going to go through um, the other worldly patrons. Uh, the first one that comes up in Xanathar's is the Celestial. Uh, so your patron is a powerful being of the upper planes. You have bound yourself to an ancient Imperion, Solar, Kirin, Unicorn, or other entity that resides in the plane of everlasting bliss. Your pact with that being allows you to experience the barest touch of the holy light that illuminates the multiverse. Um, so yeah, cool. you, you know, angels and stuff, right? <laughs> and extra, extra funnies. And unicorns. Um, and you unicorns. know, I love how it mentions unicorns there. It's like you're bound yourself to an ancient freedom, solar kin, or solar kinrin, or unicorn. Mm -hmm. I want to find myself to a unicorn. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that that could be interesting, especially like, you know, maybe you can telepathically speak to the unicorn or at least the unicorn speaks to you um, in order to join that pack. Because otherwise, like, I guess it would be even funnier if you couldn't communicate with the unicorn um, and you're just like, hey, so I've got this thing I need to do and I could use some help. Um, can I borrow like your horn powers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what else is there? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, uh, unicorn horny powers. Um, That's hilarious because unicorns are a CR5 creature. <laughs> and apparently a patron. Like, how is that a thing? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Hilarious. I guess that, that, that does open up like a way to homebrew other things because like if you can do a cr5 unicorn uh, as a patron like there's really nothing stopping you from just homebrewing any monster from the monster manual into a patron 
That's true. You could but have I'll... a goblin as as a patron. But also, um, unicorns. Uh, you know, you could also make it so that even though it can grant this like amazing power, that it can be killed. So like someone could just kill your patron. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking uh-huh. of uh, like a la Harry Potter, and you know, unicorns being hunted down for the blood to be more immortal. <laughs> That's hilarious! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's let's get into the celestial features. Um, you get uh, you get an expanded spell list uh, that you can choose from. Uh, so you get access to cure wounds and guiding bolt for first level spells, flaming sphere lesser restoration for second level, daylight and revivify for third, guardian of faith wall of fire for fourth, and flame strike and greater restoration for fifth level. Um, so you can be a Healy Warlock. Yes. Or you could, um, you could be like, you could be a Healy Warlock who loves to take, take, uh, in the fact that your teammates beg for healing. It's like, yeah, beg me. <laughs> beg me. You know, what if, oh no. What if, <laughs> what if, uh, you are a Warlock with, I don't know, uh, let's say a unicorn and uh you 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 use the the horny powers right (laughs) and so now when you have to when you want to heal somebody they have to beg and like yeah beg for daddy beg for the heal (laughs) but are you a good person (laughs) (laughs) like are, are you healing because it's the right thing to do or because it turns you on i don't know uh, the more you know. <laughs> I'll only heal you if your um, alignment is good. <laughs> fortunately, if you're neutral, I'm sorry. Sucks to yeah. suck. Uh, I'm a, if I'm a, I'm a unicorn. Unfortunately, I'm a my unicorn's my patron. She said not to heal you because you're evil, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm not evil. I'm neutral. Nope, nope. Same oh, thing. No, no, same thing. Right. <laughs> Um, so you do get bonus cantrips uh, at first level. You learn the light and sacred flame cantrips, uh, and they count as warlock uh, cantrips for you, but they don't count against your number of cantrips known. Ooh, nice! Yeah, I always love that little caveat when they when they do put that in some of their uh, subclasses, because otherwise it's like, oh well, what if I don't want light and sac- uh, sacred flame if it's going to count towards my cantrips known? So. Right off the bat, at first level, you get two extra spells, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want to continue uh, with Healing Light, Bone Daddy? Yeah, the Light of Healing. The healing Light, as you said, <laughs> is a first level ability that you get. Um, you gain the ability to channel celestial energies to heal wounds. You have a pool of D6s that you spend to fuel this healing. The number of dice is equal to one plus your Warlock level. Ugh, I already hate it. Um, at a, as a bonus action, you can heal one creature you can see within 60 feet of you, spending dice from the pool. The maximum number of dice you can spend at once equals your charisma modifier, minimum of one die. Roll the dice you spend, add them together, and restore a number of hit points equal to that total. Your pool regains all expanded dice when you finish a long rest. See, I, I like abilities like this um, initially because they're first-level abilities, and first level abilities are really cool because like you get like extra stuff to do early as a warlock. However, my I hate things that are like, 
oh, only if you have it's equal to your warlock level plus one. So you either you have to go into warlock. It's like if you want this ability to matter later, to grow, yeah, grow, <laughs> you have to. You can't multi like you can later on, I guess, but like multi classing hinders this ability. Which has always bothered me with abilities like that, but yeah, but I mean, on the bright side, at least it's you know it's the number of dice in the pool, Mm -hmm. so it's it's one plus you know it's one d six plus at at a minimum you know one extra d six, so you get two d six right off the bat at first level, um, but because I mean there have been some where I've seen where it's like oh yeah it's it heals you for one plus your level and it's like okay so for two points yay, <laughs> yay. but at least this uh, this way you get <laughs> yeah at least this way you get an opportunity for a minimum of 12 points yeah yeah so you know it's a little more random but it still helps um at uh, at sixth level uh, you get radiant soul. Your soul radiates. Um, I'm imagining like My Little Pony vibes. Uh, anyway, starting at sixth level, you link to the <laughs> celestial. Uh, your your link to the celestial allows you to serve as a conduit for radiant energy. My Little Pony. You have resistance to radiant damage, My Little Pony. And when you cast a spell that deals radiant or fire damage. You can add your charisma modifier to one radiant or fire damage roll of that spell against one of its creatures. My Little Pony. Yes. Uh, <laughs> friendship. My, charisma. No. My little uh, copyright. <laughs> no copyrights. Don't at me. Um, I'm, if anything, I'm giving you more publicity. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm turning into a brony because my daughter watches My Little Pony like religiously. But it's so. like good. It's a good show. It, it really is. <laughs> there's remember, there's story. Like, you know, I, I remember kid shows for us, and there's there's no story. Stop it. <laughs> there's no story. Uh, um, Mummy's Alive had a story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the <laughs> and the and the best we had, you know, like Power Rangers, it was actually a Japanese show. So like, eh, you know, <laughs> and the story line was <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so yes my little pony uh radiant uh soul at six level um and then i'll take celestial resilience and you take searing vengeance because i know you like that one um starting at 10th level you gain temporary hit points whenever you finish a short or long rest these temporary hit points equal your warlock level plus your charisma modifier additionally choose up to five creatures you can see at the end of the rest those creatures each gain temporary hit points equal to half your warlock level plus your charisma modifier. That it's I I mean it's temp HP, so I guess cool, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um but other than that, <laughs> I'd rather have something else, uh, especially for 10th level. Cause I mean there's there's spells that warlocks have access to that give temp pitch HP. Like you don't need this, but Unless you have a stellar charisma modifier, in which case, like I guess, I guess a, but max of plus five, like so at tenth level, if you have done ten levels in warlock, then okay, you're getting fifteen temp HP. But at tenth level, fifteen HP is a drop in the bucket, you know, because I mean you're fighting some some pretty beefy creatures at that point. It's true. Although it would come in handy, it does come in handy if you get into like 
if you like swarmed, I guess, like things that are yeah. knocking you down, like, um, like if you have like a swarm of like spiders or something that are attacking you at temp level, I guess it's a little weird that you're fighting spiders, but sure. They're just all phase uh, spiders. They're it's all a phase, phase sw- a spider swarm. Yeah. <laughs> they're all, they're all, um, what are they called? Like not blink spiders. They're, um, the, the ones that can like send you to another dimension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that 15 hit points is going to be really important. <laughs> but I mean, at least you can pass it on to your team as well. So that's that's something. Yeah. All right. Vengeance. Uh, searing mm-hmm. vengeance. Uh, starting at 14th level, the radiant energy channel allows you to resist death. When you have a death saving throw at the start of your turn, you can instead spring back to your feet with a burst of radiant energy. You gain hit points equal to half your point, hit point maximum, and you, then you stand up. If you choose, each creature of your choice that is within 30 feet of you takes radiant damage equal to 2d8 plus your charisma modifier, and it is blinded until the end of the turn. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. That's not bad. That could be useful, especially yeah. if you, like, that's an auto, an auto, um, that's one less point that you have to spend to, like, heal yourself, heal someone, heal you, or, or make sure that you're okay, so... Mm-hmm. Also, you're coming in with a vengeance, so that that fits. Yeah, well, and then like you're healing and dealing damage to to choice to each creature in thirty feet. That could be a bunch in thirty feet of you, because that's like that's uh, what is that five square? No, six squares in any direction. So, I mean, that's that's a lot of damage. So, I, I think that this. Overall, I think that this would work if you know for sure you're doing something like Curse of Strahd at 14th level um, or um, any kind of dungeon crawl where you know you're going to go up against undead because of that radiant damage. Um, I think that that would that'd probably be the reason that I pick this subclass. Yeah. Otherwise, like if I'm going to do a Healy thing i'm not gonna do a healy warlock <laughs> it's gonna be something that's else that's very true and i mean i guess the most important aspect of this is the blinding your opponents without a without a roll mm-hmm. so it, auto, it auto blinds them yeah so you don't have to roll to be blinded like it's an auto blind so that's pretty cool too although yeah. if i remember correctly um uh it only adds an attack roll like it only gives advantage to your attack rolls and the creatures have disadvantage on theirs and a blinded creature automatically fails an ability check oh that's pretty yeah. cool yeah that relies on sight so yeah so at least you know it's it's eyesight perception is a disadvantage it's attacks are a disadvantage so i mean that's helpful you know um yeah. and i mean free damage quote unquote you know the 2d8 plus your charisma at 14th level that's pretty decent yeah. um so it is ah. what it is you know that's that's nice yeah <laughs> um any more final thoughts for that one um i like you mentioned like it's a situational one but yeah. i would i would almost be like i'm I mean, if you're playing Chris Estrada, I guess it seems like a pretty good one. Like you mentioned, Chris Estrada, it's because you're dealing with a bunch of zombies and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. in other games, I, I, it's very situational when like your like your radiant damage is going to come in handy like that yeah. much. So, uh, five out of ten. That's yeah, that's decent. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, because like as far as like you said, radiant damage, like you are you are your most useful in a itty bitty amount of scenarios. <laughs> you know, you're still useful. I mean, 2d8 damage is still 2d8 damage, whether it, it's acceptable, you know, or uh, what is it? Um, susceptible to radiant damage. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, I get, yeah, five out of 10, maybe, maybe six purely <laughs> for the fact that you can heal, you have a little bit of extra healing. Um, and if you're gonna, if you're gonna deep dive into, uh, jabroni, um, then, you know, when you, your, your first level healing light will grow with you because of your warlock level. So like taking it at four, let's say 14th level, you at least get to 14th level for the searing vengeance. Your healing light is now a total dice pool of 15 D sixes. So that's significant to just be able to do that. But yeah, six out of 10, I'll give it. Uh, I kind of do want to do a, a brony now though with this, <laughs> with this class, like just have a unicorn patron and just like really deep dive into the, <laughs> the, the, the my little pony mythos. <laughs> Cause I mean, think about it. Like, the the whole thing is like Mount Celestia, right? Celestial Plane, Mount Celestia. Uh, connections, man, connections. <laughs> uh, and I actually do have, um, I am not sad to say, uh, my daughter got a, um, a, a My Little Pony Dungeons and Dragons uh, set for her birthday. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So they, they have the little, uh, My Little Pony uh class miniatures there's like six different ponies that have like rogue paladin blah 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 uh and then it comes with a giant uh d20 and then a dm screen with my little pony lore and um a small sub like mini quest uh because it's like for five-year-olds and above um so yeah that's gonna be something that uh, <laughs> that she and i and raven play um and as she grows older, you know, the My Little Pony will just start getting harder and harder. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we're going to grow this story. Uh, anyway, moving on uh, away from the, the ponies. Um, I think this one's the most popular, probably, or one of the most popular subclasses, the Hexblade Warlock. Ooh. Uh, you have made your pact with a mysterious entity from the Shadowfell, a force that manifests in sentient magic weapons carved from the stuff of shadows. The mighty sword Black Razor is the most notable of these weapons, which have been spread across the multiverse over the ages. The shadowy force behind these weapons can offer power to warlocks who form packs with it. Many Hexblade warlocks create weapons that emulate those formed in the Shadowfell. Others forego such arms and uh, uh, content to weave the dark magic of that plane into their spell casting. Uh, because the Raven Queen is known to have forged the first of these weapons, many uh, sages speculate that she and the Force are one, and that the weapons, along with Hexblade Warlocks, are tools she uses to manipulate events on the material plane to her inscrutable ends. Um, yeah, I, I think that that right there is probably one of the coolest intros to a subclass I've heard. Um, yeah, so... Uh, obviously expanded spell list. Uh, 
Shield, Wrathful Smite, Blur, Branding Smite, Blink, Elemental Weapon, Phantasmal Killer, Staggering Smite, Banishing Smite, Cone of Cold. It's almost like there's a theme. Yeah. Just just a little bit. <laughs> smite, 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 Killer, Smite, Smite. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, do you want to take uh, Hexblade's Curse? I do. So starting at first level, you gain the ability to place a baleful, baleful curse. That's a baleful, baleful curse mm-hmm. on someone. As a bonus action, choose one creature you see within 30 feet. The target is cursed for one minute. The curse ends early if the target dies. You die or you are incapacitated. Until the curse ends, you gain the following benefits. You gain a bonus to damage rolls against the cursed target. The bonus equals your proficiency bonus. An attack roll you make against the cursed target is a critical hit on a 19 or 20 on the d20. If the cursed target dies, you regain hit points equal to your warlock level plus your charisma modifier, a minimum of one hit point. You can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. That's cool. Yeah, as a yeah. first level, first level one, that's pretty. It's pretty awesome. It's it's just it's a curse. So, yeah, but I mean that's like uh, a la Hunter's Mark, I suppose. You know, because you gain the bonus to the to the marked target, uh, and then you know your attack rolls uh, are nineteen or twenty for crits. That's cool. I mean. And that's actually really early now that I think about it, um, because I think fighter isn't fighter the one uh, that gets that crits on nineteen or twenty, but it's like at a higher level. It's um, a that's a that's a um, fighting style, I think. If I remember, no, that's that's a fighter. Yeah, but it's like a champion. Yeah, like, yeah. So it, I mean, this is cool that it's like right at first level. You're you're critting, you know, with two. Uh, your, your per- percentage of crits is higher. Um, at first level, you get Hex Warrior as well as the uh, Hexblade's Curse. Hex Warrior, is, you require the training necessary to effectively arm yourself for battle. You gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. The influence of your patron also allows you to mystically channel your will through a particular weapon. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can touch one weapon that you are proficient with and the lacks uh, or, or and that lacks the two-handed property. So it must be one-handed. When you attack with that weapon, you can use your charisma modifier instead of strength or dexterity for the attack and damage rolls. This benefit lasts until you finish a long rest. If you later gain the Pact of the Blade feature, this benefit extends to every Pact weapon you conjure with that feature, no matter the weapon's type, which is badass. That is. Because your Pact of the the Blade feature, you can get a... I know you can get a... um, a uh what's it called or an invocation mm-hmm. that lets you change your packed weapon um to a um like a bow and arrow or like a two-handed yeah. weapon yep so you extend that you can extend this essentially to a bow which is amazing because yep. bows are amazing and i mean let's face it most warlocks their dump stat is strength so if you have a weapon that requires strength now you're changing that for charisma. That's that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, a cursed specter, Bone Daddy. Ooh. Starting at sixth level, you curse the soul of a person you slay, temporarily binding it to your service. When you slay a humanoid, you can cause the spirit to rise 
from its corpse as a specter, which by the way, are CR ratings one, but they still are pretty impressive. It changes the battle economy. Mm-hmm. The statistics for which are in the monster manual when the specter appears, it gains temporary hit points equal to half your warlock. Half, to war- half your warlock level, world initiative for the specter, which in- has its own turns, it obeys your verbal commands, and it gains a special bonus to attack rolls equal to your charisma modifier, minimum of plus zero. Mm-hmm. The specter remains in your service until the end of your next long rest, at which the point it vanishes to the afterlife. Once you bind a specter with this feature, you can't use the feature again until you finish a long rest. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. And also, it's it might be a specter at the CR1, but it does gain that attack bonus based on your charisma modifier, which again changes the battle economy because having more things on the board on your on your end, especially during combat, really helps like set up things. Yeah. Like you can create you can create obstacles for other enemies. Um, you can set them up to put people into um, points where they get uh, if they move towards you, they get um, your specter gets attacked from opportunities. So it it really helps. Yeah, you can use sure. the situation yourself to get advantage on your rolls um, for uh, for flanking. So okay, yeah, that's not bad, especially for sixth level. Um, armor of hexes at 10th level your hex grows more powerful if the target cursed by your hex blades curse hits you with an attack roll you can use your reaction to roll a d6 on a 4 or higher the attack instead misses you regardless of its roll that that can change the entire battle because if a monster crits on you it's a technically an auto success but then, oh, I'm going to use my reaction to roll a d6. Oh, hey, it was a five. That attack misses instead. Like that, that's cool. That's a, that's a lucky feat. That That's always useful. Yeah, that's that's kind of like a lucky feat. And also, it's pretty useful, especially if you're playing um, like the he- that hex and this armor of hexes comes in handy, especially when you're at 10th level because you're, fight- you're usually fighting big monsters. Yeah. Um, that are like bosses and so essentially you can um your if your only target is one other creature then hell yeah like this yeah. makes you almost like makes you almost impossible to hit and it and it doesn't have a it doesn't have a, ca- a caveat like it doesn't uh it isn't like you can only use stability once per long rest this is as long as the hex is on yeah as that. long as you have a reaction yeah. you can use it mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool yeah that's yeah. awesome like that that's pretty useful especially at 10th level master of hexes starting at 14th level you can spread your hex blades curse from a slain creature to another creature when the creature cursed by your hex blades curse dies you can apply the curse to a different creature you can see within 30 feet of you provided you aren't incapacitated when you apply the creature the curse in this way when you apply the creature this way when you apply the curse this way you don't regain hit points from the death of the previously cursed creature oh well, that sucks. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> at least it lets you, like, uh, at least it lets you pivot your your curse. So at 14th level, you're usually fighting bosses with, like, minions. So I guess you could hit a minion, kill it, move it over, hit a minion, hit a minion, you know, and then, like, get to the boss. But I would, I would essentially just curse the boss initially. That's yeah, probably yeah. going to do the most damage to you. So, yeah. But, and especially like, I mean, 
you're until this point, right? Until 14th level, you've gotten used to the fact that you can't use Hexblade's curse more than once per short or long rest. So that's not I mean, that's not gonna like hurt your feelings, you know. <laughs> so by 14th level, you you get to re retarget it. Meh. That's especially, a meh. Especially if you're a 14th level warlock. Like at that point, like <laughs> yeah. Like it you've already had you've already been dealing with stabilities caveats for a while. So it's like that's like why is this why is this um this ability doesn't really like hinder you if you don't get to use it. So yeah. As a 14th yeah. level bomb, it's not really that great. But the rest I of wouldn't it even call bomb. it a bomb. It's like a uh, one of those firecracker poppers. Like mm. that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, my last thoughts for this one. It was cool up until that last one. Like that. That is the l- most lackluster uh, max uh, subclass feature that I've seen in a while since we've been doing this. Um, it that is the ultimate meh. Um, and Watsy do better. Uh, <laughs> but uh otherwise this is a really cool subclass um i do like that it it coincides really really well with um the uh, pact of the blade um and honestly it's sixth level a cursed specter and the armor of hexes like those two things right there make this subclass those are super cool i mean and and it's a little meh also because all of your abilities are based on uh, combat games. So mm-hmm. like it's not like there's no there's no role play abilities, you know? Right. Um, but I guess if you're in a combat heavy campaign, this will really come in handy. But yeah. I mean if you're in like a like a a game where like it's a lot of like lore and a lot of like conversation and a lot of role play, um, you might see less use of this abilities. So yeah. Unless hear me out you add this warlock to an assassin's guild or something um in its backstory right and even though it's a role play heavy thing maybe he he or she splits from the party uh and curses a soul and secretly slays something you know murder hobo npc um and then you get to role play like hey when did you get that specter Ah, don't worry about it. It he comes <laughs> and goes. <laughs> Where did you get it from? <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I guess that's the only thing that I could think of RP wise, specifically from the features. Like you can role play a lot with a hexblade warlock. You know, I mean, you can role play with yeah. a lot with any character. But as far as features go, you're right. This is like heavy combat. Yeah, heavy combat. Um, so, I mean, if that's your style of play, uh, I know it was when I first, uh, started playing, it was dungeon crawls after dungeon crawls. This would be, this would be the one right there. Yeah. So just a little bit of extra stuff. We're not going to read every piece of information because it's a lot. Uh, but Xanathar's guide does give some extra Eldridge invocations, which at second level, uh, a warlock gains eldritch invocations feature um and there's some new options uh other than the ones in the player's handbook uh and each one has a prerequisite so you've got aspect of the moon which is a pact of the tome cloak of flies eldritch smite ghostly gaze gift of the depths um 
Gift of the Ever-Living Ones, Grasp of Hadar, Improved Pact Weapon, uh, which is the one we were talking about with Pact of the Blade, Lands of Lethargy, Maddening Hex, Relentless Hex, uh, Shroud of Shadow, Trickster's Escape, and that, oh, and Tome of Levistus. Um, some of these are interesting, some of them not so much. Uh, Shroud of Sa- Shadow is kind of cool, but not at with a prerequisite of 15th level, because all it is is you can cast invisibility at will without expending a spell slot. Super useful, but damn, do you have to wait a long time. <laughs> yeah. 15th level, that's rough. Um, and uh, the, the Lands of Lethargy is kind of a fun one. Prerequisite Eldritch Blast Cantrip. Once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with your Eldritch Blast, you can reduce that creature's speed by 10 feet until the end of your next turn, uh, which allows for a little bit of um, combat uh, strategy because yeah. they're they're now slower by 10 feet, so you can have some range against a creature. If, you're, if your speed is 30 feet and it's 20, it can't touch you unless it has a, a reach of 10 feet. So that's that is helpful. But yeah, so Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Uh, final thoughts, Bone Daddy. I, uh, it's a mixed bag. I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of uh, not a huge fan of Celestial, but um, I can see where it be, might be situational. Mm-hmm. But I do like the Hexblade, so that one's been that one's pretty good. So I mean, like a seven out of ten, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Six out of ten for Celestial for me. Yeah. Um, I would say. I'm giving, yeah, I would say seven to maybe an eight out of 10 for the Hexblade if you're doing combat heavy campaigns. That yeah. is the my only caveat because there are plenty of role play subclass uh, for Warlocks, which we're actually going to be getting into with Tasha's. Um, but otherwise, Xanathar's is okay with Warlock. It is by far way better than Xanathar's uh, Sorcerer origins that we don't need to talk about (laughs) oh my god we hated this so much (laughs) so yeah we're gonna go to tasha's let me pull up that pdf really quick fanfare uh optional class features of course with tasha's they give uh optional blah blah Optional class features uh, and pack boon options uh, for your warlocks. You get a uh, a list of additional warlock spells, uh, which are are some fun ones: uh, booming blade, green flame blade, lightning lure, mind sliver, which is one of my favorites, sword burst, uh, intellect fortress, spirit shroud, summon fey, summon shadow spawn, summon undead. A lot of these are actually Xanathar's. Uh, spells a lot of them uh that have because if you if you've read tasha's it says like oh if there's an asterisk uh that's uh, from xanathar's guide um stuff like that some aberration uh what's the fun one tasha's otherworldly guys that's a good one dream of the blue veil and the ninth level spells blade of disaster gate and weird are some really fun ninth level spells so you have those as your options uh, to pick in your uh, your first level warlock feature of of just picking spells. So that's fun. And then Pact Boon option, uh, we have Pact of the Talisman. So of course at third level we get our Pact Boons. 
Uh, Pact of the Talisman, your patron, gives you an amulet, a talisman, that can aid the wearer when the need is great. When the wearer fails an ability check, they can add a D4 to the roll, potentially turning the roll into a success. This benefit can be used a number of times, equals your proficiency bonus, blah, 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 blah. Uh, If you lose the talisman, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to get it back. So that's cool. A D4 can change things. Especially if you have like other buffs with it, you know, if you have a bard in your party that gives you in, uh, bardic inspiration, you're adding your own D4 and then the bardic inspiration, which can be anything from a D6 to a D12. So that's cool as hell. Yeah, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You want to read uh, Eldridge of Versatility? Eldridge Versatility? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to. However, um, my Tasha's uh, guide does not load got it um, okay so sorry. <laughs> fourth um, level warlock feature that's okay whenever you reach a level in this class that grants the ability score improvement feature you can do one of the following representing a change of focus in your occult studies uh replace one cantrip you learned from this class's packed magic feature with another cantrip from the warlock spell list Replace the option you chose for the Pact Boon feature with one of the feature's other options. If you are 12th level or higher, replace one spell from your Mystic Arcanum feature with another Warlock spell of the same level. So basically, you can just, you know, you're a little more versatile if you're dealing with um, something in the campaign that you didn't really prepare for. Uh, maybe it was a hidden thing from uh, with your DM. Uh, and surprise, you need such and such xyz spell um then that's the way you would you would do it uh maybe one of your summon spells if you have been summoning fey and it hasn't been working for you maybe you switch it up and do summon undead or switch and do a a, a switch a six level spell summon fiend uh things like that uh, you also get Eldridge Invocation options. When you choose Eldridge Invocations, you have access to these additional options. Uh, Bond of the Talisman, which has a prerequisite of 12th level Warlock, Pact of the Talisman feature. While someone else is wearing your Talisman, you can use your action to teleport to the unoccupied space closest to them, provided the two of you are on the same plane of existence. The wearer of your Talisman can do the same thing, using their action to teleport to you. Teleportation can be used a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus uh, and restored after a long rest. That's actually kind of cool. I like that, (laughs) especially at 12th level, being able to just, I'm going to teleport, you know, Um, and you get what is, uh, let's see, level 12 is a three or a four on proficiency bonus. I think it's a three. Yeah. So... You you get three uses per long rest. I mean that's that's enough right there. And it's not just you. I think I think you get three for you and three for the wearer. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, they can use it. You can use your talisman to teleport. That's awesome. That is. Um, and let me know, Bone Daddy, if uh, if your stuff loads so that you I got can it. Some, you got it. All right, go for uh, Eldridge Bind. Eldritch Mind, you have advantage on constitution saving throws that you make to maintain your concentration on the spell. That's really cool, because if mm-hmm. you're somebody who uses a lot of, like, enchantment spells, um, concentrating on them is sometimes a very difficult, especially if you're playing with somebody who knows how magic works. 
against yeah. someone who like knows on magic words. They're going to aim for you if you're concentrating on a spell that's hindering them. So that that really helps out a lot. And there's a lot of powerful spells that require uh, yeah. concentration. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to be like, oh, this is a cool spell. Most likely has concentration on it. <laughs> Um, you also have Far Scribe, prerequisite fifth level warlock, Pact of the Tome. A new page appears in your Book of Shadows. With your permission, a creature can use its action to write its name on that page, which can contain a number of names equal to your proficiency bonus. You can then cast the spend the sending spell targeting a creature whose name is on the page without using a spell slot and without using material components, which is awesome. To do so, you must write the message on the page. The, the target hears the message in their mind, and if the target replies, their message appears on the page rather than in your mind. The writing disappears after one minute. As an action, you can magically erase a name on the page by touching it. That is That's all roleplay. Cool. That's all roleplay. Yeah, right. like, <laughs> the sending spell in and of itself is roleplay, you know? Um, it can have some tactical uses because of the fact that it, you know, it's a, a message communication uh, via the mind, but that is really cool. I I, I feel like that's more of a uh, an espionage um, inquisitioner type yeah. uh, feature. Like that could be really cool yeah. for a whodunit campaign. And um, if you're like trying to send secrets to people, yeah, especially especially your team, like you you'd be like a hub for information because like, you can send it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Go for Gift of the Protectors. Excellent. So Gift of the Protectors. Gift of the Protectors is pre-workers at ninth level, Pact of the Tome feature. A new page appears in your Book of Shadows. With your permission, a creature can use its action to write its name in the page, which can contain a number of names equal to your proficiency bonus. When a creature whose name is on the page is reduced to zero hit points, but not killed outright, the creature magically drops to one hit point instead. Once the magic is triggered, no creature can benefit benefit from it until you finish a long rest. As an action, you can magically erase a name on the page by touching it. <laughs> That's cool. I just imagined a really petty uh, Morlock. <laughs> Your name's not on my page anymore, not on bitch. My page anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no. You no, touched no. my stuff. You, you no longer have this protection. No longer have this protection. Uh, oh my goodness, Mafia Warlock, pay for my protection. Put your back. name. Put your name in the page for this amount of gold or for this favor. You know, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding, type shit. That. <laughs> Okay, now I have a campaign in mind. <laughs> that could be really fun uh, yeah. to have. Because, like, there's also, you know, there's there, there's a, um, I can't remember if it was Homebrew or if it was actually Watsy, um, but no, it was Watsy that you can actually have, like, regular people, quote-unquote, as patrons now. Um, what if you had a warlock who has a patron who is then your patron? So you have this Pact of the Tome feature warlock, who is patron uh, patroning you and you have to do favors for said warlock as uh you know as a way to continually get his patronage um <laughs> and you know your name is only in his book of protection uh so far as you are doing his favors um and you know you're his errand boy um that's interesting 
That could be fun. That could be. But that's also a very, very roleplay heavy uh, campaign idea. Um, so, you know, if you're into that, by all means. Uh, investment of the Chain Master. Prerequisite. Pact of the Chain. Go figure. When you cast Find Familiar, you infuse the Summoned Familiar with a measure of your Eldritch power, granting the creature the following benefits. The Familiar gains either flying speed or swimming speed, which is your choice, of 40 feet. Uh, as a bonus action, you can command the Familiar to take the attack action. That's awesome. The familiar's weapon attacks are considered magical for the purpose of overcoming immunity and resistance to non-magical attacks. Very important. If the familiar forces a creature to make a saving throw, it uses your spell save DC. And when the familiar takes damage, you can use your reaction to grant it resistance against that damage. Ooh, nice. You have made a really useful. Yeah, you've made a really powerful familiar at that point. Interesting. I'm yeah. liking this already. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. Protection of the Talisman, Bone Daddy. Protection of the Talisman. Seventh level Warlock Pact of the Talisman feature. When the wearer of your Talisman saves a, fails a saving throw, you can add a d4 to the roll, potentially turning the save into a success. The benefit can be used the number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and all expanded uses are restored when you finish a long rest. Yeah. pretty cool that could yeah. make um that could make uh a lot easier to avoid dragon fire to avoid like um full like surprise attacks and everything it, yeah. it would it could really help somebody get out of a tight spot true rebuke of the talisman pre-workout pre, pre prerequisite pact of the talisman pre-workout uh, pre yeah, you can see where my mind is going. Uh, when, the, when the wearer of your talisman is hit by an attacker, you can see within 30 feet of you, you can use your reaction to deal psychic damage to the attacker equal to your proficiency bonus and push it up to 10 feet away from the wearer. That is cool. That's nice. Uh, I'm going to burn through this last one real quick. Undying Servitude, 5th level Warlock. You can cast Animate Dead without using a spell slot. Once you do so, you can't cast it this way again until you finish a long rest. It is what it is. It it's, is. It's an animated. Like that's, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's uh, like it doesn't give you the animated, the animate dead like spell. So that way, so it's it's you can only use. So if you don't have animate dead already, you can't cast animate dead unless you use this this feature. That's right. That sucks. I wish that I wish they would let you access to it with your spell slots also. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the subclasses. Uh, we have otherworldly patrons, the Fathomless, uh, which I'll just read the flavor text. I never understood why some people get so jittery about tentacles. Have you ever had an octopus nigiri? One of the few pieces of evidence of a benevolent multiverse. Tasha. <laughs> Tasha. Oh, <my> <laughs> wild. Yeah. She is wild. Uh, so you get an expanded spell, a spell list as per usual. Create or destroy water, thunder wave, gust of wind, silence, lightning bolt, sleet storm, control water, summon elemental, which water only. Uh, Big B's hand appears as a tentacle <laughs> <laughs> and cone of cold. That's fun. See that that right there. You already know that this is like a little bit more of a a, a role play able class because your bigby's hand is a tentacle uh so there's there's that uh i'll read tentacle of the deeps and then you get oceanic soul 
Yeah. Uh, first level fathomless feature. You can magically summon a spectral tentacle that strikes at your foes. As a bonus action, you create a ten foot long tentacle at a point you can see within sixty feet of you. The tentacle lasts for one minute or until you use this feature to create another tentacle. When you create the tentacle, you can make a melee spell attack against one creature within ten feet of it. Of it, not you. On a hit. The target takes 1d8 cold damage, and its speed is reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. That is awesome. When you reach 10th level in this class, the damage increases to 2d8. As a bonus action on your turn, you can move the tentacle up to 30 feet and repeat the attack. You can summon the tentacle a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses at a long rest. That's fun. I mean, that's... That's the you know the combat economy that we talked about earlier. Yeah, like that's that's an extra thing to attack. Yeah, and that's it's actually really useful because I I have played a fathomless warlock before, and mm-hmm. honestly, this this ability is just extremely powerful. Like moving it across the board, that reducing the ten feet, the, the reduce um that creature to its you reduce its speed by 10 feet. That mm. is super useful also. And the fact that it does cold damage is, by the way, extremely useful as well because yeah. a lot of things, um, when you hit them with cold damage, have like interesting effects, like a lot of different creatures in the Monster's Manual. So, Yeah. Uh, I did miss uh, that there is a small snippet right before Oceanic Soul, which is Gift of the Sea, uh, which you gain a swimming speed of 40 feet and you can breathe underwater. And that is also a first level feature so right away um that is cool both tactically and role play uh that you can you can do that you're a mermaid you're a merman or mermaid or merfolk or merperson um yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean what if like it's interesting because what if you already picked a race that's water related and then did this fathomless you're just water on water no, well, now you have an extra swimming speed of 40. Yeah. Oh, well, no, your swimming, feet, swimming speed is 40. But I don't think there's anything that has a 40 swimming speed initially already. I don't think so. Trident, but um, I don't know. I need to yeah. check it out. I haven't seen anyone use a trident in a billion years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Been a bit. Yeah. All right. Oceanic Soul. Oceanic Soul a six-level fathomless feature. You are now even more at home in the depths. You gain resistance to cold damage, really useful. In addition, when you are fully submerged, any creature that is also fully submerged can understand your speech, and you can understand theirs. That's pretty cool. So you, it, you're Aquaman. You can speak to the, the speech. Yeah. To the and, uh, you know, because that's all roleplay, right? But you also gain the resistance to cold damage. Like, that's that's cool. That's useful because yeah. again, things um, things that hit with cold hit you less. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Guardian Coil, also a sixth level feat. Uh, your tentacle of the deeps can defend you and others, interposing itself between them and harm. You and you or a creature you can see takes damage with uh, within ten feet of the tentacle. You can use a reaction to choose one of those creatures, reduce the damage to that creature by one d eight. When you reach tenth level, damage reduces by two d eight. Oh, that's awesome. that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a nice feature. That is, and they're both six level features. That's pretty cool. You gain. A whole you gain two right away, like that's what <laughs> right away. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Next is Grasping Tentacles. You learn the spell, this is a 10th level fathomless feature. You learn the spell Evard's Black Tentacles. It counts as a warlock spell for you, but it doesn't count against the number of spells you know. You can also cast it once with, without a spell slot, and you regain the ability to do so when you finish a long rest. Whenever you cast a spell, your patron's magic bolsters you, granting you a number of temporary hit points equal to your warlock level. Hmm. Moreover, damage can't break your concentration on the spell. What? That's that is awesome. And for those that don't know, Edward's Black Tentacles is just an, like an updated version of the other tentacle one. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it's called. Um, but squirming ebony tentacles fill a 20-foot radius of ground that you can see within range. For the duration, these tentacles turn the ground in the area into difficult terrain. When a creature enters the affected area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, the creature must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or take 3d6 bludgeoning damage and be restrained by the tentacle until the spell ends. Creature that starts its turn in the area and is already restrained by the tentacle takes 3d6 bludgeoning damage. A creature restrained by the tentacle can use its action to make a strength or dexterity check against your spell save DC. On a success, it frees itself. That's pretty cool. But you can keep grabbing them, though. You can keep grabbing them, and and damage doesn't break your concentration, so you don't need to worry about that. Just keep going. (laughs) Have your teammates do damage elsewhere, but you just keep that concentration on that spell. That's awesome. Uh, Fathomless Plunge, 14th level. You can magically open temporary conduits to watery destinations. As an action, you can teleport yourself and up to five other willing creatures that you can see within 30 feet of you. Amid a whirl of tentacles, you all vanish and then reappear up to one mile away in a body of water you've seen, upon size or larger, or within 30 feet of it. Each of you appearing in an unoccupied space within 30 feet of the others, once you use this feature, need to take a long rest. Oh no, short or long rest. That's cool. That is cool. Oh, you can only you only have to you can just keep teleporting everybody away. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, this uh, the big bad is a little stronger than we thought. Gone. <laughs> yeah. I like this one. Yeah. I uh, eight out of ten. I'll give it eight out of ten. What about you, Bone Daddy? I give it an eight out of ten too. I like it. I'm currently using one of these. So um it's pretty I, I like it a lot yeah um we're gonna blast through the genie subclass purely because there are one two three four five different uh choices that you get to choose <laughs> in the genie so i am not going to read the expanded spell list because that is a lot of spells to read but the genie i know finding housing uh, in Greyhawk is rough but when genies or warlocks offer you cheap rent Run. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah. I love Tasha's little tidbits. I do too. Genie kind, you get to choose the kind of genie that you want to be, whether it is a earth, air, fire, or water elemental. Uh, and like I said, you get an expanded spell lust with a gajillion different spells, including the ninth level spell wish. So, you know, there is that amazing thing. Uh, And then Genie's Vessel at first level. Your patron gifts you a magical vessel that grants you a measure of the Genie's power. The vessel is a tiny object, and you can use it as a spell-casting focus for your Warlock spells. You decide what the object is, or you can determine what it is randomly by rolling on the Genie's Vessel table. So, I mean, you you get a lamp to rub. There's a lamp, an urn, a ring with a compartment, a stoppered bottle, a hollow statuette, or an ornate lantern. 
Uh, and while you are touching the vessel, you can use it in the following ways. Yeah. Uh, bottled, yeah. Bottled respite. I mean, this is, th there's a lot to read. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> when I scrolled down, I was like, oh no. Uh, bottled respite, uh, which is uh, one of them. And then uh, Bone Daddy, I'll let you get uh, Genie's Wrath. As an action, you can magically vanish and enter your vessel, which remains in the space you left. The interior of the vessel is an extra-dimensional space in the shape of a 20-foot radius cylinder, which is 20 feet high and resembles your vessel. The interior is appointed with cushions and low tables and is a comfortable temperature. While inside, you can hear the area around your vessel as if you were in its space. You can remain inside the vessel up to a number of hours equal to twice your proficiency bonus. You exit the vessel early if you use a bonus action to leave, if you die, or if the vessel is destroyed. When you exit the vessel, you appear in an unoccupied space closest to it. Any objects left in the vessel remain there until carried out, and if the vessel is destroyed, every object stored there harmlessly appears in the unoccupied space closest to the vessel's former space. Once you enter the vessel, you can't enter again until you finish a long rest. Oof. That's that's your magic ma mansion. Like, what the heck? That's so <laughs> cool to have at level one. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, like, I mean, there's too much to talk about there. Let's let's just, yeah, that, that's awesome. Anyway, uh, Bone Daddy, Genie's Wrath. Genie's Wrath, once during each of your turns when you hit an attack roll, you can deal extra damage to the target equal to your proficiency bonus. The type of damage is determined by your patron. Bludgeoning for your Daojins. Thunder for your Genie-Jins. <laughs> you got it. Fire for your Afriti-Jins. And coal for your Maridrin-Jins. Yeah. So, so that's, that's Earth, Air, Wind, and Fire. There you go. Yeah. The vessel <laughs> safety equals your spell save DC. Its hit points equal your Warlock level plus your proficiency bonus, and it is immune to poison and psychic damage. If the vessel is destroyed or you lose it, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. The ceremony can be performed during short or long rest, and the previous vessel is destroyed if it still exists. The vessel vanishes in a flare of elemental power when you die. That's, I mean, that's still cool. That is, but I love how it didn't give us like the flare of elemental, elemental power. Am I just supposed to assume that it casts a fireball whenever you disappear? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hmm, interesting. That could be fun. <laughs> elemental <laughs> gift. <laughs> uh, we've got a, a six level uh, feature here. You begin to take on characteristics of your patron's kind. You now have resistance to a damage type determined by your patron's kind. Uh, bludgeoning, thunder, fire, or cold, uh, representative of each type. In addition, as a bonus action, you can give yourself a flying speed of 30 feet that lasts for 10 minutes. That's pretty cool. During which you can hover. You can use this bonus action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uh, after a long rest. So that's really cool. That, that's, that's really cool because really that's cool. that's tactical, right? 10 minutes is a crap ton of time during combat like that's ridiculous um because you're talking about like 60 rounds per minute so 600 turns <laughs> you could just fly uh at 30 feet so i mean you know take two turns and be 30 feet above your enemies and rain hell upon them that's <laughs> just that's that's fun uh take sanctuary vessel please 
Definitely. Sanctuary vessel. When you enter a genie's vessel, this is a 10th level genie feature. Mm -hmm. Via the bottle respite feature, you can choose up to five willing creatures that you can see within 30 feet, and Ooh. the chosen creatures are drawn into the vessel with you. As a bonus action, you can eject any number of creatures from your vessel. <laughs> and if everyone is ejected, if you leave or die, or the vessel is destroyed. In addition, anyone including you who remains within the vessel for at least 10 minutes gains the benefit of finishing a short rest, and anyone nice. can add your proficiency bonus to the number of hit points they regain if they spend any hit dies as part of the short rest there. That's cool. So, again, Magic Mansion-type spell. Yeah. You know, you get 10 minutes, which a 10-minute short rest, if you're not a homebrewy DM, uh, that shortens the, the short rest time, so that's awesome. Getting the hit hit dice is important. I mean, this there. I don't see anything wrong with this. There's there's nothing. Yeah, that's a really cool feature to have. Oh, let yeah. me take the last one because I really yeah like absolutely. It. Limited wish. So traditional genie stuff. Fourteenth level genie feature. You entreat your Patreon to grant you a small wish. As an action, you can speak your desire to your genie's vessel, requesting the effect of one spell, a six level or lower. Has a casting time of one action. The spell can be from any class's spell list, and you do not need to meet the requirements in that spell, including constant components. The spell simply takes effect as part of this action. Wow. Once you use this feature, you can use it again until you finish one D four long rest. That's really cool. That is cool. Like any any spell from a sixth level or lower. Mm -hmm. Now that's awesome and impressive. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like uh, depending on your roles, you could easily roll one on a one d four and just be able to use it the next long rest. Exactly. And that's that's actually that's it. Uh, yeah, we get only get two subclasses from Tasha's. But they're um, cool subclasses. They really are. I. I think the genie I'm going to give a 7 out of 10 for general purposes, but I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 for RP, even though some of these features are like a little bit combat. The Sanctuary Vessel and the, um, the what is it called? The Genie's Vessel, 1st level and 10th level spells, that's mostly... RP. I mean, it's at least the first level. You can you can have if since you could hear around the vessel, you could put your lamp on a shelf and be like, I want to listen to the big bad's plans and just swamp right in there. Um, and hope that you know it's they only talk for 10 minutes, but <laughs> that that could be fun and that could be absolutely hysterical if they talk longer than 10 minutes and you just pop out and be like, oh hey. Uh, didn't mean to do that. Schwamp, go back into the lamp because <laughs> you get to use it uh, for your proficiency bonus. <laughs> um, and then the sanctuary having the hit dice and the short rest. Uh, I That one is a little bit more tactful, but it's still really cool. It doesn't affect combat directly, but you know, for warlocks and stuff, you uh, for a short rest, you get spell slots back. Like that's important <laughs> yeah um and that's that's crazy cool and then of course like the limited wish on on the last one it's like yeah i uh i don't know this spell but uh hey genie daddy could you help me out <laughs> hey, genie daddy, could you could you help me please <laughs> yeah 
Oh man. Uh, what about you? What are your thoughts? I love these two because they're huge improvements from the last ones, mm-hmm. um, honestly. And I, I love the fathomless one. The fathomless one's super powerful. It like, is. like, I don't know. It's just that the ability to create that, that tentacle and then to have it defend you at six level is actually really, really, really powerful. And I, I think it's, I honestly think give these like a nine out of 10. I like them. I like them both. Yeah. I played both of these before. So, yeah, I think. I, I think Tasha's got it. I think Tasha's did it right <laughs> on the uh, on the subclasses um, thus far. But yeah, I mean these these are super cool. Uh, there are hundreds of subclasses to go through that we will not go- be going through. If you want us to go through a specific uh, homebrew subclass that you guys like or that you see on maybe the subreddit unearth arcana things like that uh shoot us an email at this dungeon is occupied podcast at gmail.com uh and we'll look through it uh if you use one of these subclasses let us know in the same email uh give us a story we'll read it on the podcast uh and potentially have you on uh to talk about some fun uh D stories uh be on the lookout for more interviews and all that jazz uh and that's gonna be it for this episode uh bone daddy do you have anything else before i close off nope i'm good well then remember weavers check those dungeons because this dungeon is occupied (laughs)